Welcome to Real Issues, Real Conversations, a podcast from Ohio Humanities. In this series, we explore democracy and the informed citizen. I'm Rachel Hopkin, and today I'm joined by two undergraduate students from Ohio University who are both studying journalism, Destine Jaram and Jack Bowden. They're going to be sharing their perspective on the profession they are preparing themselves for. Destiny and Jack, welcome to the podcast. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. First of all, I guess I'll check in on how you're doing in COVID times because we're recording this conversation on the 20th of October of 2020. So we're still very much in the middle of the pandemic. How is life as a student going within this strange world? You can go first, Jack. Thank you. Um, It's definitely different. I'm a senior now, so I'm going to graduate this coming May. So my workload was already going to be pretty substantial. And now with COVID, I mean, it's affected everything. I think it's almost a cliche to say how it's affected everything because it's kind of reached into every aspect of my life, especially school. School is much harder. I'm doing pretty much all online. I'm managing everything on my own computer and having just a heck of a time doing it. So (laughs) it's a little bit more difficult, especially with journalism. It's become really interesting to see how we're supposed to do our jobs when, you know, the biggest part of the job is going out and, and meeting people and talking to people and and telling those stories. And Destiny, how about you? Yeah, I kind of feel the same where it's definitely been like normalized. This is the new normal. And um, for me, it was kind of just adjusting my expectations because I'm also graduating in May. So it can be hard like trying to just sit in front of my laptop every day. And it's been a challenge too of trying to find new creative ways to report. But I kind of like it because... I mean, not the pandemic. It's pretty much a senseless tragedy what is going on. But it's a really special, unique time to slow down and think and prioritize what matters to me. And I think that's really lucky to have that time right before entering the professional world and ending my career as a college student. One of the things I'm interested in finding out in this podcast is why you both came to journalism, because journalism these days, it's different to maybe what it was a few decades ago. There were the 70s when the Watergate scandal had been uncovered by journalists from the Washington Post and journalism, especially investigative journalism, was very glamorous and very kind of a sought after profession. But over the last couple of decades, with the impact of the internet on newspapers, particularly, journalism has seemed to be less and less viable option in some ways and yet you both chose this as something that you were interested in and wanted to pursue. Destiny can you tell me a little bit about how you arrived at that decision and what made you choose journalism as your major? Yeah and I I don't think journalism is becoming less of a viable option I just think we're in the midst of a major transition like everything is I guess right now in our culture so it's kind of figuring out what is journalism going to look like and what are the needs of our society now? But I think I got interested in journalism. Well, I guess I know I got interested in journalism in 2014 when Michael Brown was killed. And I remember watching the broadcast of all the protests going on and how that case was handled with the news. And I remember it being really upsetting as a Black woman and just wanting to be a part of that media because I thought the narrative was really wrong and immoral and the way they went about it, it just needed more sympathy and empathy. 
and it needed more black narratives. Can you tell us a little bit about what you mean by that? Because for some people, they might need their memories refreshed about what happened and how it was reported. Okay, well, this was way before everything that happened this year with Sincere or not, all of the performative action that companies and media stations have done with regarding Blackness and, you know, making statements that Black Lives Matter, that's a new trend. Six years ago, that was not a thing. The news narrative still really focused on blaming Black and brown people for state-enforced violence. And so I remember the coverage really focusing on even though Michael Brown had his hands up and was running away in the opposite direction of the cop, Darren Wilson, he still shot him. But that wasn't really being discussed. It was more like, oh, here are reasons why it's okay that this white man killed a black man, hunted him down like a dog. Right, right. Jack, how about you? What brought you to this major? Um, I'd say that um, my interest in journalism started probably around the same time as Destiny said hers did around 2014. I um, was in high school and I took uh, just a starter informative journalism course and I realized that journalism was kind of cool. And then the next year I joined the high school newspaper staff. And at that point, it was I was pretty sure that this is what I was going to be doing. I really cared about what happened with the newspaper because I started to care about quality journalism. I started to care about the value of information literacy. And even on such a small scale, something so insignificant as just a high school newspaper. So once a month, we would have these big editing meetings and they could go on until, you know, into the evening. And I was always there until, you know, could be seven, seven o'clock at night when most other people left around five, because I wanted to make sure that everything was perfect, that all the formatting was right, that we were following AP style, that, you know, blah, 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 very like cookie cutter, early journalist stuff that I was just focusing really hard on because I started to really care about the craft. And at that point, there was kind of no looking back. The year after I got into the newspaper, I was um, co-editor in chief with another girl who had been there for another year. And then after that, I only applied to Ohio University because I knew it was a, a decent journalism school and it was essentially right in my backyard. So I showed up here and I started really focusing on local journalism. And that's kind of what I was doing in high school as well. And so I've been very one track through all this and I've been really focused on that. That's very interesting. Destiny, I didn't ask you about that. Is local journalism something that compels you or is it something different? Yeah, I'm really interested in hyper-local journalism and covering just marginalized communities. Um, I would love to get to cover like Native communities, actually learn what their needs are and report on that. Um, black, poor neighborhoods, stuff like that, really local stuff I'm super interested in. Okay, great. That's something we've been covering quite a bit in this podcast. So Jack, you used an expression a little earlier, quality journalism. Can you both give me examples of something that you feel is quality journalism and something that you might think is not quality journalism and give reasons why? Jack, I'll come back to you first. A lot of people have a lot of opinions about what is quality journalism and what is not. And it's a conversation that I've been having with a lot of my peers and classes and journalists that I've gotten to know throughout the years. And things are changing, like Destiny said. So the quality is to be rated on a couple different factors. You know, obviously there's the quality of writing, the, the way you use words. You know, hopefully you're a writer that is a journalist, but also there's this kind of golden standard of being unbiased that journalists have 
kind of clung to for years and years and years and years and years. And I can't speak to all the professionals in the field today, but at least among my colleagues and I, is changing this golden standard of being unbiased to not committing to being so unbiased because I think we're kind of on the same page that we cannot be unbiased. It's kind of impossible because we're not computers. So we're going to, we're talking about shifting that intense focus on just being as accurate as possible and not using language that dilutes a story and dilutes what actually happened. And it's something that Destiny actually just talked about a couple minutes ago. She said that the narrative on the Michael Brown story is, was being spun in a, in a way that makes it the language unbiased. So that skews the narrative. Um, what they're saying is something along the lines of a black man was killed in a shootout with police. Whereas what happened is the police killed a black man. And so that's kind of, we're trying, or at least I'm trying to focus on what is the most truthful way to tell a story. And so your question is, what are examples of quality journalism versus not quality journalism? And there's a lot of both. Um, I've had a hard time finding any news source that has always done well to not set me off in a way, to not make me think, well, that you shouldn't have written that that way or this or the other thing. But there's great writers at every you know, news source. Bad examples, of course, there's some social media things. Can you give me a specific example? That's really what I'm driving for. You know, I try not to read bad news, so probably <laughs> not. I probably not uh, gonna be able to give you a bad example, but great examples. I follow a couple journalists pretty closely that are uh, kind of have come out of Ohio University. So I worked under Connor Morris um, at the Athens News and Terry Smith at the Athens News, and there's a couple other journalists there. So I follow their stuff a lot, and. Connor is now working for Report for America, and he covers communities around Cleveland, uh, lower income communities around Cleveland, specifically covering these areas and how they're affected by the COVID-19 pandemic and all of the issues that have come out of that. And the stories that he's putting out are just so accurate. They just depict what's happening without being this weird, unbiasy kind of fluff around it. It's he's telling the stories. And so I think initiatives like Report for America, where they're putting Connor in positions like this to to tell these stories are great examples of quality journalism. That's great. We had Connor Morris on this podcast a few episodes back. We spoke with several of the Report for America placements of 2020, 2021, including Connor. So it's lovely that you're referring back to his work. Destiny, what about you? Do you have any particular stories or journalists that you think are great or by contrast journalists that you think are terrible or particular stories that you think are terrible that's probably a, a less um inflammatory way to go <laughs> I think what Jack was saying about the bias thing is really interesting because I also agree like even computers have biases actually because humans made them so all of the data is biased incredibly skewed but the point is, like, I think not to act like we don't have the biases in our stories, but to actively think about that and be conscious of how we're writing and how we're deciding to tell certain narratives. I think that's what makes good journalism, being considerate and thoughtful and actually caring about the readers, caring about the subject makes good journalism. Um, some good examples. I mean, I really haven't been reading the news, unfortunately. I'm pretty checked out just trying to survive. 
But there's plenty of bad examples. There's a lot of things that are misleading and people don't have media literacy skills. And it's concerning because I can read something and obviously know that's fake, but people who even are college educated, which isn't even most Americans, um, they don't have that media literacy because it's not taught. And that's what's scary. And I think that's what makes bad journalism is um, intentionally misleading your readers or being sloppy just because you know it's going to get you more clicks, which will generate more revenue. You say that you have this media literacy and you can tell a fake news story. Can you give us some pointers as to how to go about spotting something like that? I mean, just simple fact checking, like um, looking for more than one source or considering what source it's coming from. And also just kind of looking at are there grammar mistakes? Like, how is this put together? And are the photos nice or are they a little, you know, are they ugly photos of someone? Or are they normal, respectful photos? Just considering how is this look like? Is this look like a professional article? So you both talked a little bit about this idea of being unbiased. And this is something that I also learned about in journalism. And it sounds like you're no longer taking that as a fundamental precept. There are other ways to go about good reporting which acknowledge the biases that one comes to one's work with. Are there other parts of your training that have shocked you or impressed you or surprised you? Are there things that you've been told that you don't agree with or conversely things that you thought you would be told about how to do journalism that are not exhibiting themselves in the way that you're being instructed? Jack, I'll ask you this first. I mean, I learn a lot, a lot of different perspectives of journalism from a lot of different professors and a lot of different peers. And so everybody kind of goes about their job a little bit differently. There's certainly things that have struck me and impressed me. And a lot of that is the devotion and care that a lot of these professors have for the craft. And this idea of like being totally devoted to it is touches back on what we were just talking about being unbiased. And so all the academics and journalists here are kind of promoting different ideas of what makes good journalism. And at the core of that has been being unbiased. And now in literally the last four years since I've been here, I'm hearing much less about that and much more about, well, we need to look at what's happening and we really need to redevote our craft to the truth and to accuracy. So that has been a stark highlight of all of this is is that it's really changing. And it's kind of a cliche to say that, you know, journalism is such a changing profession. You hear that all the time. Anytime you tell somebody new that you are uh, a journalism major, or you're going to be a journalist or you're working as a journalist, they say, well, how do you feel about this, this, that? It's a changing profession. How do you know you're going to have a job? You know, you, fake news, this, fake news, that. And so <laughs> I feel like, rededicating to the truth rather than the being unbiased is kind of at the core of all of this change. You said that, that you've seen a stark difference between how you were being taught at the beginning of your four years at Ohio University and now in this question of being unbiased and or telling the truth or the way you think about biases and so on and so forth. Have you any idea what this change is due to? At the beginning of my college career, I was taking 1,000 level classes. Now, of course, I'm in mostly 4,000 level classes. So, of course, the course material is getting much deeper and much more in-depth. But also, I think that in light of the last four years, I mean, amount political, but Donald Trump's presidency has changed the landscape of not only journalism, but the whole social realm that we have to report on. 
So that has played a big part in it. We have to really look at how we're reporting on this world, if this world can look like this. And, you know, the presidency is not the only thing that's changed. I mean, the coronavirus pandemic is a huge change for journalists and for how reporting works. So the presidency, coronavirus, and also the social sphere that we report on has changed so dramatically. There's a whole lot more paying attention and telling the stories of what's actually happening that we need to be focusing on, such as what's happening with the Black Lives Matter movement right now, what's happening with all kinds of movements all over the world. It feels like, you know, a lot of people have said it, 2020 feels like the world is ending. It's, I don't think it's ending. I think it's changing dramatically. And so for the people who have to tell the stories about the world changing, our craft has to change significantly as well. So in the past four years, so much has changed about the way we experience the world and the way the world affects us. The fact that we need to wrap that up in a tight little sentence and you know tell a story in 500 words is not going to be the same way we told that same story five years ago. So I think that's what I mean by the the way my education has changed. They need to train us much differently than they used to. It can't be the same, not with everything that's happening anymore. Destiny, what about you? Coming back to my question again, which is, are there things that have surprised you or impressed you or shocked you about your journalism training at Ohio University? Are there things that you thought you would be expected to do and you haven't been or vice versa? I really didn't have any expectations going in because I'm like a first-gen student, so I had no idea what I was getting myself into. But I will say what has been a nice, happy surprise about the program at OU for Journalism is that I feel like all the professors are really lovely people, and they all have genuinely great experience. They want their students to succeed. And what surprised me the most was this push for emotional health and emotional awareness because, and this is also a part that surprised me, is how personal these stories are and how attached you can get. I remember two summers ago, I did a story on trash contracts because no one else wanted to take it. But it was actually really surprisingly funny and interesting. I kind of got into it. Never thought that would happen. But of course, it's the same for harder, darker things. And as we get more into the profession, I'm sure we're going to be exposed to harder things. Even with this year, we've seen a lot of death and tragedy and have to cover that because that's the job. But I like that this program really pushes for being aware of your emotional limits, how to take care of yourself, and that the job is draining and that it's not as glamorous and sexy and fun as everyone thinks it's going to be. I really appreciate that push for honesty because frankly, not everyone is cut out for the job. And I remember coming in freshman year wanting to do investigative journalism. And then after taking the class with former director Bob Stewart, um, with a journalist came in and he used to do investigative stuff. And he said one night he was so stressed out, he dreamt he punched a hole in his wall, but he actually did punch a hole in his wall because he was stressed. It was really um, life or death information he had in his hand and, and he had to be careful with it. So you know, like having opportunities to be honest with me about what the job's going to look like. So now I can know, okay, I'm still doing journalism, but probably not investigative journalism because I, I can't take that type of stress. So that's been a less academic part, but I think equally important for setting people up for this profession that they should know about. Would both of you like to give an example of some of the reporting that you've done? Destiny, I'll come back to you first. 
I'm working on a story right now for my capstone that I'm kind of joking with my friends has been my white whale because I've been trying to write it for longer than my capstone, but I'm excited. We've got it together and it's actually going to be published. It's a story of Tabler Town, which is like a black founded town. It's like three miles outside of Athens and it was founded in like 1830s. I really love getting to tell stories of people who have been ignored and forgotten in society traditionally, especially within media, because it's traditionally been so white. It's really exciting to get to completely rethink what journalism should look like and in some ways transform American history, right? Because not a lot of people would think that there are Black-founded towns in rural Ohio in these Appalachian areas, but there are huge pockets of multicultural just gems, just true cities and villages in the entire Appalachian region of um, Native people, Black people, just people that they haven't gotten to see their stories. And even the poor white rural people living in this area getting to cover basic stuff has really touched me because I know it means a lot to them. And I can see when I go out there that no one else is paying attention to them. And I mean, it's news, like they need it for their society for functioning. They need to know what's going on in their town. Getting to work on stories like that, that make you rethink what you've been told, that really impacts me. And I hope I can just get to continue doing that. And you said this piece is going to be published. Do you know where and when? How can listeners find it? It's going to be published in the Southeast Ohio Magazine. And I believe that will be out in print around January and it'll be online as well. Okay, great. Right, we'll look out for that. Jack, what about you? I really like the work that I was able to do with the Athens News. Obviously, it was my internship. So they kind of sent me off to do all kinds of different fun little things. And right when I was going into my Athens News internship, I was kind of focused on arts and entertainment writing because I had just taken a, a review and criticism class and I was really liking the work I was doing there. So they kind of threw all those little stories at me, which was fun. So I got to write a lot about charity music events that they would put on at the union and stuff like that. I just right before coronavirus, there's a local band that I had covered a couple of times. Uh, it was relatively new who were releasing their first album and going on their first tour. And so I interviewed them a couple times throughout the tour and told a really cool story of them kind of going from town to town. And it, it, it was fun because they were also students and they had to kind of fit this whole tour into the spring break period. Um, I got to cover my first protest and that was a protest I went to with Connor Morris again. At the protest, it was about the um, budget cuts for uh, faculty at Ohio University. And it was the... Uh, American Association of University Professors, I think, who did the protest. And it was very interesting because Connor and I and whatever other journalists were there, we kind of followed this crowd who gathered in one of the buildings on campus and marched silently into the Board of Trustees meeting and did a silent sit-in. And it was like kind of really oddly powerful. There was no noise, there was no nothing, but I had seen professors that I had in class there, you know, standing up for what they thought was right here. And I thought that was one of my favorite stories I ever got to cover. That was just a really powerful moment to be in. And I get to be in all kinds of powerful moments like that, getting to cover local journalism, and especially in a college town, a small town like Athens. So you're both in your final year now at Ohio University, this strange final year of 2020 going into 2021. What do you plan or hope to do once you've graduated? Do you have a kind of dream job, a dream position, destiny? Do you want to 
take that first? My answer is not really. I hope to get a job and I hope to stay alive and I hope to stay safe. That's all that I have for expectations um, until things calm down. Eventually, I would really like to do long form in-depth narrative pieces looking at like certain subcultures in the States. I think that would be really interesting. Jack, what about you? Any dream job or dream project? I have lots of inspirations for where I want to be because like I said, I keep up with all these local journalists who I respect so much like Connor and Terry who I worked under. And I look at something that, you know, Terry did, he was at the Athens News as the editor for 45 years. And that's like something I could totally see myself doing. I told you I'm passionate about local news. And I think that's where I can make the biggest difference for my community and for the community as a whole is on a local scale. I would love to do something like that if I fell in love with the position in a certain place. Um, I also see other journalists like Connor who move on to programs like Report for America doing super important work, just being, you know, utilized to the fullest capacity of being a great, hardworking journalist. Programs like Report for America then lead to other bigger positions. And I am so excited to see where journalists like Connor end up because I don't even think the positions that we will inevitably end up in and fall in love with might not even exist yet. There are so many paths that I could follow, but right now I would really, really love to end up in a local newsroom. I'm from central Ohio. I'm from a big city. I'm from Columbus. And I moved here five years ago in Southeast Ohio, Appalachian, Ohio, and I love reporting and writing about the world that I live in. I like quality, um, quality local journalism about Appalachian, Ohio, and I want to contribute to that. So I think I've asked you everything that I meant to ask. Are there questions that you wish I had asked you or things that you would like to say that I haven't given you the opportunity to say? I don't think so. You picked my brain thoroughly. I don't have anything jumping out at me. Well, listen, thank you so much for taking part, Destiny, Jaram, and Jack Bowden. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be here. And again, both of my guests today are undergraduate students in journalism at The Ohio University in Athens, Ohio. Real Issues, Real Conversations is a production of Ohio Humanities, the state-based partner of the National Endowment for the Humanities. The views expressed here don't necessarily reflect those of the National Endowment. This program is part of Democracy and the Informed Citizen, an initiative administered by the Federation of State Humanities Councils. The project seeks to deepen our knowledge and appreciation of the vital connections between democracy, the humanities, journalism, and an informed citizenry. Many thanks to the Andrew W. Mellon Foundation for their generous support of this initiative and the Pulitzer Prizes for their partnership. Sokolovsky Music at sokolovskymusic.com provided the opening and closing tracks. And to learn more about Ohio Humanities podcasts and other projects and programs, please visit ohiohumanities.org. I'm Rachel Hopkin and thank you for listening.